You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Hello, everybody. Good evening. Um, I'm Darnell, and I'll be doing your Bible reading this evening. Um, we are reading from Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. It ge- and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. Well, good evening, everyone. Great to see you all. Um, tonight's a bit of a fireside chat. I hope that's okay. Uh, like a granddad. Um, yes. Uh, so I just, for those of you new here uh, tonight, I just wanted to introduce myself. Uh, my name's John, and together with my wife, Joan, who's leading worship tonight, um, we have the amazing privilege of uh, leading this church. And um, I want to focus tonight's uh, talk really um, thinking about you as students. Um, and so for those of you who aren't students in the room, this talk is for you as well. But I, uh, there's, there's lots in here, don't worry. Um, but I was really mindful uh, of your arrival and just trying to put myself in, in your shoes again. I'm 40 years old and 21 years ago uh, I came to the University of Hull. And um, what I wanted to do tonight was kind of just write a bit of a letter to my uh, 19-year-old self. Um, I made some good choices when I was at university. I also made a lot of bad choices. And um, the reality is, is uh, where I am today and I'm leading this church, married, got three beautiful daughters, uh, got a fourth on the way. Don't know if it's a daughter or Sonia, just saying. We don't know. Um, and I suppose where we are today, a lot of that is a result of some of those choices that I made when I came to university. In fact, I think a lot of the choices I'm, I'm making today uh, will really form my life. So when I'm 60, 70, 80, God willing, is actually, as I look back, they are the products and the fruit of great decisions that I'm making today. I think the greatest power in all the world is the power to choose. And we have been given that choice, free will, to choose and make good decisions or bad decisions every single day. And so I was thinking about kind of writing a few thoughts about what uh, I would like to say to my 19-year-old self and kind of what I wish also some people had told me uh, when I um, came to university. Um, the reality is, is if you fast forward from when I arrived at Hull University, there was a, some halls of residence in, um, in Cottingham. Uh, it's a village about three miles north of here. And I arrived there and uh, so homesick. It was awful. I, every single, there wasn't a day or a night that went by without, uh, without me crying and just desperate to go home. Really, really struggled. 
And so it's funny if I think about it. Here I am, 40 years old, and I've never left Hull. I've lived in Hull longer than I actually lived in my hometown, which is Pontefract near Leeds. And so uh, this place is incredible. We love the city and the region. Um, but it's amazing uh, that if I think about it, in that first term, I would never ever thought I would be here today. And, um, and so I'm mindful of that, um, that, that maybe some of you are in that place right now. Um, we've, I've got niece and nephews who've gone to university just, just now and very, very mindful of them, prayerful for them. Um, for some people, it's just, yeah, they just go with the flow and it's fantastic and it's like, yeah, we've escaped home and this is wonderful. For others, it's a real struggle and I'm particularly mindful of the fact that we are kind of still in this pandemic season and so it's incredibly challenging. The, the pressures on young people uh, today are really, really challenging. Um, the pressures of, of the world um, uh, to live as a Christian, to be countercultural in our cultural moment is a challenge, but also just the pressures that the last two years have, has brought emotionally, um, mentally, spiritually, uh, physically, all these different things that the toll is taken on our health. It's been huge for, for many of us, but I particularly feel for you as young people. And so uh, really what I want to do is, is just try and give you some wisdom tonight. Some, pretend we're at a coffee shop and it's just me and you and, and here's just a few thoughts uh, I'd love to give you and then we'll get on to the main and plain, which is eating good pizza. There's a great quote in the film, The Revenant, I don't know if you've seen it, and it says this, the wind cannot defeat a tree with strong roots. And so when the winds of life come against us, which they do and they will in various forms, um, it's important that we have strong roots. Though we may feel emotionally the effects of that trial or test or that problem or that pain or level of brokenness, the reality is, is that if you have strong roots in God, then it's going to help you to stand. It's going to help you to uh, withstand that pressure that comes in your life. But I don't think we're just called to live a life that, um, of where we just have stability, of where we stand strong. I think many people, particularly come to university, kind of think, how can I survive as a Christian at university? It's kind of like the narrative and the script that we have and it's been fed, passed on to us. But I'm more interested in how can we thrive as people? How can we thrive as students? How can we thrive as young people? So saying this morning about embracing exile, we're starting next week a sermon series looking at Daniel in the morning, 1 Peter in the evening is that there's a lot of darkness out there, but we, we as Christians, we never curse the darkness. We just turn the light on. We just be the light. And, um, and that's really, really important that we recognize that, that we're not, we're not meant to be the thermometer that kind of reflects the temperature of our environment, but we're meant as Christians to be the thermostat. We're meant to set the temperature we're, we're meant to be influencers, not to be infuriated by what we see around us or to um, imitate uh, what we see or to be intimidated. We are meant to influence and thrive in our environment. 
And being a disciple of Jesus, the reality is, is you will be called into leadership. You may not realize that, but I believe every follower of Jesus who um, is a disciple in our current cultural climate will invariably and by default lead because we are a people. The people that follow Jesus and what he says is so opposite to much of the values of what we experience and encounter today. And so we need to create discipleship structures and a culture and rhythms and environments, which is what we're committed to do as a church, to help you thrive as you try and follow Jesus in our context. And so, as I say, I want to do it in the, in the guise of a letter to my 19-year-old self. And so the first thing I, I kind of wrote to myself is that it's important to have vision for your life. When you're having a particularly bad day, it's important that you have vision, because vision helps you not quit. Vision helps you go through those quitting points which invariably come to many of us in our days. Uh, people who have vision uh, are people who last. They're people who see beyond the majority just because the majority say or do something or it's the popular thing doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And so my experience at university is often I would be the only one or with just a few people doing something or saying something which was contrary to what the majority were saying and doing. But the reality is, is because deep inside of me, I had a sense of vision. I had a sense of call, which meant that, you know, I recognize I live for the, in the audience of one. Before the audience of one, I live for Jesus and his call on my life, not what other people are saying about me. And so in that, we've got to uh, be a people of vision who have influence, and therefore we've got to let go of that killer, which is comparison, and kind of the insta-life has, has fed that, where we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. And that will always, always rob us of our confidence. So it's important that we are uniquely who God has called us to be, and he has placed a unique purpose and call on every single one of us and what that looks like is vision. It looks like vision. And when I think about vision, I think about the words of Jesus, actually. I don't know if you've ever read the words of Jesus in this, uh, this angle, I suppose. Blessed are those who mourn. And so when you think about vision, actually, you should think about what you mourn about, what you mourn over. I think people who mourn are aching visionaries. And so an aching visionary is what is the thing that bothers you? What is the thing that concerns you? What is your complaint? Where is it that you see a gap in, in society and you think, do you know what, I want to do something about that? What is uh, that injustice that you see that it just rises up inside of you, this godly compassion that is placed in you? And, um, and, and that is the thing that will drive vision in your life. But it's so much... Uh, simpler than that, because a lot of people think, oh, I just need this grand vision for my life. It's actually how you see life. It's actually how you see everyday life. It's how you see the mundane. It's how you see the simple things. And if you see that with a greater why narrative and script over your life, that fuels vision. So we don't just do simple things like everyone else. We actually, we do those simple things and we do it as unto the Lord. We do it with excellence. We do it for him. 
And that changes everything. How we spend our money, how we treat people, how we work, how we do so many normal things, even how we wash up. Do it as unto the Lord. Do it as though it's Jesus. If he was coming around and he would have this mug of tea, would he like this mug? Changes everything when you fuel everyday moments with vision. And it starts with the small things. It starts with things that are insignificant. It starts with things that people um, don't think are massive and major. But I, I really believe that as we're faithful with small things, as we're faithful with little things, you're a student and you recognize there's somebody on your course or in, uh, in your student house or whatever, and you just know that God is at work in them. Their life is just how we speak to them, how we share Christ with them, just doing what's in front of us and doing it faithfully. That is how we live a life of vision. The second thing I'd want to say to you is the Christian life is a journey. It is a process. It is a series of steps. It is one foot in front of the other. It's left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Most Christians um, love the mountaintop experiences with God, and they are wonderful. God is a God to be encountered and experienced by the Holy Spirit, but much of the Christian life is just muddling through. It just means sometimes getting up every day and doing the basics and just recognizing that the walk of discipleship and the work of, um, it's a theological word, sanctification, where the Holy Spirit is making us more like Jesus transforming us into the likeness of Jesus, which is why we're essentially here on earth, to look like Jesus, is that these things um, don't happen in the dramatic events and the mountaintop experiences. These things are formed often in the hard times, in the times of brokenness and contrition and repentance, or in the times of when you have nothing else but Jesus, the times when you're on your own, like in that student room and you're just bereft and you're just weeping before God and it's in those moments, those tender moments that only you and God will ever know about that actually that we're formed the most. We recognize that God is committed to the long haul. He's committed to a whole journey. You've got your whole life in front of you and you will make mistakes. You will get things wrong. You will take turns which are just, yeah, that was a bad idea. But keep going. Don't quit. Many people around you will quit. And so what I want to say to you is that don't quit just because other people do, but it's important that you do quit at certain times, and that is to quit things strategically. It's to quit things that do not serve the purpose of God in your life. And I was thinking about this idea of predictable patterns. You know, as a, as a family... Uh, and for those of you uh, who uh, have kids, you'll recognize this, that predictable patterns are a godsend. Is that um, predictability is so, so helpful. And I think that's why many families, many of us, it was hard during um, the pandemic. It was a real struggle because there were so many things that we used to do normally that we weren't able to do. We had to create a new normal in our environments. But... I believe that as disciples, we can thrive off predictable patterns. So you look at Jesus, you know, and his disciples eating together, retreating, resting, attending, 
temple worship, for us it's gathering like this as church, prayer. You know, the early church talked about this in Acts 2, verses 42 to 47, the DNA, the values, the culture of the early church. And really, these things were discipleship rhythms. They're predictable patterns. These routines of attending a good church, and this isn't the church for you, there's some great churches in Hull, you need to find the place that's home for you. But being part of community, being in God's word daily, being in prayer, these, these rhythms are so, so important for our discipleship. They don't curry favor with God. They're not about earning brownie points. It's not like if I do these things, then God will love me more. Nothing to do with that. They're not barometers of our spirituality, but they're here for training. They're here to help us. They're tools, routines, rhythms, structures to help us become more like Jesus. That's why it's so, so important. So remember this year to recognize it's a journey to know that God is on that journey with you and to take each step, each day faithfully for Jesus. The third thing I'd want to say is to guard against drift and drown. And if you want to look at this, it's 1, 1 Timothy 1. There's a number of references in there. It talks about a seared conscience. It talks about not despising prophecies. It talks about guarding your faith and all these things. And, and all that's to say is that many people start off well with their walk with Jesus, but so often, um, and in the context of, of that letter, Timothy's talking about a shipwrecked faith, and they go from, hey, walking with Jesus to a shipwrecked faith, what happened in between? And it doesn't happen overnight. It's a drift and then a drown. It's a drift and then a shipwreck. And so that's why it's really important. The Bible talks a lot about this, is we've got to guard our hearts Guard our hearts, guard against a seared conscience. There's so many things in our world that can sear our conscience, things that we think um, aren't having any effect on us, but actually is eroding our souls, eating away our minds. And so we've got to guard our thought life, we've got to guard our speech, we've got to guard what we look at. All these things, because they the windows to our soul. We've got to guard our doctrine. That means we've got to read good books and good theology and good commentaries and have scripture unpacked faithfully to us. Because if you look at the churches in uh, Jesus' report card to the churches in the book of Revelation, is that um, a lot of these churches got in a mess because of poor theology. And poor theology leads to bad biography, in other words, bad behavior. But it starts with, I've got to start with our thinking. What's our thinking about God and about truth? Once we begin to get those things in our hearts and in our minds, it'll be amazed at the transformation it brings to your life and you begin to walk in the will of God and plans for your life. And so we're going to guard against drift and drown. And so I think what's really important in there as well is, is encounters with God, just have Use this period of university, and for those who are not university, just keep, keep having encounters with God. Keep experiencing the Holy Spirit. On some of my most difficult days, I, as the psalmist teaches, I remember. And I remember the goodness of God. I remember the reality of God in certain situations that I know, that I know, that I know that He is alive and He's for me and He's real. And he's interested in every detail of my life. And the same goes for you. 
The other thing I'd want to say is that sharing your faith, sharing the gospel with people, is absolutely paramount and key to your discipleship. It talks about in the Bible about um, as we share Christ, as we're active in sharing our faith, we become aware of every good thing that we have in Christ. So if you want to move um, away from Christianity being just something we read about in the Bible or something that we read about like in a manual, but actually to real life, then actually it comes from when we share Jesus, when we pray for people, when we see kingdom encounters with people, and you go, wow, look how God's just, in his kingdom, has just invaded into somebody's life like that. And you go, I know this stuff's real, but it really is real. It's real for me personally, as we're seeing the love of Christ transform and influence somebody's life and invade somebody's life, and it's just beautiful to watch. And so never think that discipleship and mission are separate. Mission and discipleship are inextricably linked. Discipleship is mission and mission is discipleship. So if you want to walk with Jesus and look like Jesus, it's going to involve sharing Jesus. Because at the end of the day, we share what is coming out of the overflow of our hearts. And so when we love something, we just talk about it. When we love Jesus, we just talk about him and it's the overflow of our hearts. And that's what people are looking for. They're looking for something that's not counterfeit. They're looking for the real deal, something that's authentic, something that's genuine. And, uh, and they want to see that in your life. Fifthly, there'll be moments, difficult days. And what I want to say to you is never, ever, ever, ever take a photo of today, but keep the camera rolling. And it's kind of like one of my favorite Um, axioms and principles to live by because there are many, going to be many days where if you just took a photo like I did in my first term at university where I really struggled and I see where I am today, if I took a photo and said that is my life and I'm marked by that and and maybe you you think you're marked by failure and disappointment because things haven't worked out maybe through a broken relationship or a wounding in your life what I want to say to you is God is faithful to fulfill the promises that he's spoken in and over your life. He will finish what he has started. That he's committed to your you know, destiny and you fulfilling your potential in him. And so often, um, we take a photo of today and we think that's it. I want to encourage you is to keep the camera rolling because the next day and often the next week and the next month is very, very different. And in that, I would say to you, just carrying on from that, why is that important? It's because life responds to who you are, not what you do. In other words, you can have a situation, a circumstance which is devastating to you and we park up at that and we become a victim to that. But actually, if we keep the camera rolling is we recognize that actually God was at work transforming our character in that dark moment. And we see that in the Bible, don't we? There's so many people who are the heroes of faith, who are broken people, wounded healers. And the reason that they're people of faith is because they had the courage to persevere and carry on. Not because they didn't make mistakes or they were, they were perfect. They just carried on. They kept the camera rolling because they recognized that God was actually doing a work in their hearts. He was forming character and the likeness of Jesus in us and I think that is the most important thing that God does in us and so often we're emotionally driven or circumstantially or situationally 
driven and pulled, but actually we need to just focus on what, God, what are you saying here? And so often my uh, default position, I was on a Zoom call with a bunch of pastors in the city this week, and I was just sharing some stories, and I was just saying, um, so often in my discipleship walk, is that we encounter something, but then we've got a moment, this kairos moment of reflection on our discipleship where we pause. And I ask the question, God, what are you saying and doing in me here? You experience a trial or a test or some pain, but it's like, God, what are you teaching me in this moment? Where can I learn redemptively in this moment? Whether that's where you've struggled and you've sinned or you've been sinned against, either way. Oh, you've, you've, you've experienced some level of injustice. You've got to just ask God, what are you doing in me? What are you doing in my character? How are you making me more like Jesus in this moment? And that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Maybe he's bringing about a level of self-control in our lives or, or meekness, restraint, you know, controlled power. Temperance, gentleness, these things that aren't spectacular words, but the economy of the kingdom, the language of the kingdom, they're so, so powerful to Jesus. I'll just finish with a couple more. Build below the waterline. And so I often think about an iceberg when I, when I think about this. An iceberg, we only see the top of the iceberg, we see 20% of an iceberg. And so often people's impression of us is that, that 20% is what they see, but actually what makes us who we are is what's beneath that. And I think about the Titanic and hitting that iceberg and um, how big it was underneath the, the sea line. And most of our lives, we should be committing to building below the waterline, building in the unseen, building in the secret place, building in our private moments. Wherever we make good decisions in our private moments, it will set us up for our public moments. And so uh, I want to encourage you to build below the waterline, to be excellent in small things, to avoid high maintenance, avoid drama at all times. Don't be the main character in your own drama. But avoid that. People are always looking for drama and have plots and characters and things. And social media has only fed that. And what you've got to do is recognize that I want to avoid being high maintenance. I want to avoid being that person. I want to be faithful in the small things, be excellent in the small things. Dig deep wells. Dig deep wells. Get into good books. We have a bookstore out there. There's our top 12 books of this year. Get into good books. And if you can't afford a book and you're a student, come and see me and I'll buy it for you. As long as there's only two of you. Um, (laughs) Finally, this is what I'll finish with, is have a long-term view. And this is, if you you just forget everything else and just hear this one thing, this will be the most important thing I want to say to you. Have a long-term view. I think it's um, Henry Cloud talks about... um, wrote a great book on boundaries and talks about playing the tape forward. So you're about to make a decision and you're asking yourself, is this wise? Not how do I feel because that's often not the right decision just because my emotion, my emotions tell me to do a lot of things every single day. 
And so we can't be governed by emotions. We've got to manage our emotions. Emotions are good and godly, but we've got to manage them, not be managed by them. So we've got to make good decisions. So I often think about this, and wisdom says this, if I do this, what is the long-term potential consequences of this? If I play the tape forward, what does this look like? And so we can uh, look at that through so many different everyday scenarios, can't we? Um, our relationships, what we view online, so many different things. Who do I want to become determined by the small decisions that I make? So we've got to play the tape forward. And I think about this idea of delayed gratification. It is not something that's in our, our, our day and age, if you like. Delayed gratification. We're all very impatient. Um, I have this running joke. Jenny will tell you that um, we have Sky... I have Sky Q. Anyone else have Sky Q? Look, I I live with three girls. I need my sport. And so we have two TVs and go in there and Sky Q and you're able to fast forward. And all you do is is take it up to um, the fast forward button and then it'll just fast forward the adverts to get to the next thing. But I'm I'm pressing it. Even though it's been doing nothing, it's making no difference, I'm pressing it over and over again. Just hurry the adverts up. And so I recognize in me there's this sense of like impatience and we live in a, a kind of a microwave society and now generation, we want everything and we want it now. But the Christian story in the Bible and in our lives is that um, that is the complete opposite of the values of the kingdom. The emphasis and the thrust of scripture is that we're called to wait. We're to wait all the time and so Um, I want to encourage you to make good, wise decisions, to play the tape forward, but in those quality decisions is to wait and to have delayed gratification and nurture that in your heart and nurture that in your life. I just think about my iPhone and it goes off, you know, battery dies, it's like desperate for, like can I just find a cable somewhere? You know, in wartime, it's like, can I go next door and get some sugar? Now it's like, can I get a charger? Because I can't do without my phone for a minute. I mean, that's just the, the, the culture that we live in. But um, how much in marriage requires us to wait? Waiting for change? Waiting for a job? Waiting for our kids to embrace faith? Waiting for healing? We Christians are waiting for the return of Christ. We're waiting for our resurrection bodies, the restoration of this earth. We're taught to wait till we meet a follower of Jesus before we begin to date. Christians are told to wait till marriage before we have sex. Christians are told to wait till marriage to have children. We hate to wait, but the Bible says wait, wait, wait. So we've got to do something and make some drastic choices that will be in the minority as we embrace exile in our hearts and in our lives that just draw a line in the sand and say, do you know what, I'm going to play the tape forward. What does my life look like in 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years? I have such admiration. Just get around young people, get around some of the older generation in our church and people who have done life. And this is why I want to encourage you, if you're just looking for a church, is get around family. You can, you can just come around to the house. You can have a meal. You can be fed. You can have a good cry. You can be accepted and loved. 
There'll be never any judgment here. Never. We're all broken and we're all reliant on the grace of Jesus. He is the dividing line, not our sin. He is the dividing line, the cross of Jesus. And because I recognize how much he's forgiven me, that is how much we forgive others. And it's countless. It's endless. You can't put a number on it. The people tried in the Gospels, tried to put a number on it, and you can't. We just forgive because we recognize the grace of God in our lives. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.